multi-team or even whole organisational agility, business agility, whatever it is you would like to label it as, has never been easy. And there has been a huge number of frameworks over the years that have come and gone. Some have stood the test of time, others haven't. But all of them, well, let's say all of them, most of them, have had pretty good, strong values at their core. The Less Matters podcast is here for more than just less stuff. This podcast exists to help you get to grips with multiple team agile, to help you get to grips with how to scale, or even just how to be a better agilist and agile leader yourself, to accelerate your performance and the performance of those around you. Here at Less Matters, we are going to be having lots of chats with people that maybe have never even heard of Less before, but have brilliant, informative, valuable things to share with all of us. So, here we go. Without any further ado, let's get on to this week's Less Natter. Welcome to the Less Matters podcast. I uh, was actually talking rubbish before I said welcome, and I wanted to wake myself up with a loud welcome. I hope I woke you all up as well. Uh, you're here either by accident, if say welcome, it'll be a happy accident. If you're here because you listen to this podcast frequently, welcome back. It's lovely to have your ears for a few minutes. And today, I'm sharing your ears with Tim Robinson. Hello, Tim Robinson. Hi, Ben. How are you doing? Um, great to be here. Yeah, it's nice to have you back. It's been a uh, it's been a little while since you were last here. I'm I'm just <laughs> giggling away as we've we're, as we've been talking quite a lot. Uh, but it's it's nice to have you uh, you listening to me and and hopefully some of your listeners sharing their ears. Yeah, ear share. It's all my ear share. Um, and you've got to you've got to create a podcast app called Ear Share. That's that's the next product uh, product definition for you. <laughs> yeah all the best ideas come from a good sounding name don't they and then it all just flows on from there it's all you need right today tim and i are going to talk about what in our previous talk we were, we were saying about you know the fact that dependencies seem to drive a need for a level of centralized planning and coordination mm-hmm. and i guess the question is is that value add is it waste are there better ways of doing it? And we've talked a little bit about you know the, the underlying principles of descaling um, and and reducing the number of dependencies and enabling products to to function autonomously uh, and enabling product owners to do things autonomously. So yeah, I think it's interesting. What are your views? The question around the centralization of strategy and planning, I think, is an interesting one because for me, and I may be drawing a the correct incorrect sorry. Uh, idea when I think about centralization because I think there has to be some level of centralization I think that we know that having too many queues in our organization means we go slow means that we increase our work in progress means that we increase the probability that those queues will be ordered differently and it will send us off into different directions so I think that we like fewer queues. 
And by having fewer cues, that in my mind, and maybe I'm it sort of evolve as we speak, but does that not then lead to an element of centralization? So I think it does for strategy. The way you're describing that there is having a, a centralized and clearly defined and shared strategy and a definition of what the future is, right? So whether that's talking about you know, a vision statement or roadmap or plans, I think where for me it kind of becomes interesting is where is that break point? Where is the intent to create shared common understanding of what we're trying to achieve? Where is it to focus on who does what and when? Um, and for me, deciding who does what, when is more beneficial when it's done closer to the team, ideally at the team's level. Whereas in terms of strategy, obviously we all need to be involved in that discussion around strategy, whether that's you know using tools like OKR to align our strategies or any other tool. But I think, yeah, we do need a level of uh, centralization when it comes to defining our vision for the organization. Um, that's a constraint which we have to have mm-hmm. in place. Otherwise, you yeah. will end up, as you say, all going off and running off in, in completely different directions. Um, reminds me of the Monty Python sketch with the 100-yard uh, dash for people with no sense of direction. I don't know <laughs> if you've seen that video. That quite often can be the case without that clear, uh, upfront, well-defined, well-communicated vision. Yeah. I would agree on vision. I would add purpose to that because we may we may have a vision for what we want to achieve organizationally or financially, but there has to be some underlying ethos. You know, we're not going to be, let's say, and I always use Cancer Research UK as an option, but we will never be, say, raising money for Cancer Research UK and then decide to take money from a tobacco company. For example, you know, it has to be something under. But these are not things which are just written down. These are things which should be in us. The vision for the organisation and the vision for and the, and the purpose of the organisation should be in us. And then it does. And I think you're right when it comes down to that lower level, more micro planning. The teams, the teams who are creating the thing, hopefully who are close to the users and customers, should have a degree of freedom as to how they go about doing that. And I've seen it work really well where we've had a product owner who has been working from a single backlog. We had around 20 or so teams all working from a single backlog. And a number of those teams were dealing with the day-to-day prioritization of the product back items because they were in close proximity to the user slash customer. They understood Mm -hmm. the vision They knew what they were working towards. They had an open dialogue with their product owner who was serving multiple teams. But the detail of the clarification work was left to them. And the product owner was very much of the opinion, well, I know that they are working towards this bigger thing, and that's brilliant, and I'm confident they are because I trust them. If the user turns around and decides, actually, it would be their problem would be solved more effectively if we did y before b or x before c then absolutely like the team should be able to make those decisions and do that and we found that worked incredibly well and the product owner loved it because as much as possible he didn't want to be involved in all that clarification work i think ben that's that's an interesting point and to, to kind of build on your analogy there if the customer says we want x next right it's got more value for us than than b has in in the current roadmap uh, so please, please, can you prioritize X? 
that's great when you've got autonomous teams able to to make those switches. But where delivering X requires six, 10, 15 teams in different product, different areas of the organization to work together, that forces a, a challenge for us. So it, we have to do a level of centralized planning to manage those dependencies. Um, and then whichever way you look at it, we end up with these kind of roadmap plans where you're going to build your piece, you're going to build your piece, you're going to build your piece, and at the end, we'll have a value delivered for our customers. And for me, this is kind of where we end up, maybe we've cut our teams more like component yeah. teams than That's product what it sounds teams. sounds like. Yeah, I think that that is... Yeah. Albeit maybe that is the only way that we could conceive of structuring the organization at that point, but it is a self-inflicted wound because and I'm not saying that each team could own it all, but if it's, say, six teams, could we get that down to three teams? You know, Could we remove some of the red string and say, well, no, yeah. right, let's make it easier. We're not going to solve the problem, but can we make it easier? And I think that's an incredibly important journey for organizations to go on if they do actually want to reduce some of this centralized centralization burden because you're right if especially if the users saying they want x before c and x is quite a small thing but it needs five or six teams to work on it to deliver it i mean that is a very unagile uncustomer centric structure that exists for yep. many reasons maybe valid maybe not but it still exists i think i guess the point is I'm trying to be a realist. Uh, obviously, I, I want to strive for perfection because that's that's what's in me, right? But we need to be realistic. And I think the, the challenge comes when we talk one language to our teams and say, you are an autonomous team with a product owner able to decide. And then in the same breath, we say, but we need to deliver this thing. And it requires that you know you have to deliver this part these people will need to deliver that part. So you you kind of go in one breath. You're an empowered product owner, but you're not really empowered because you know you, you, we're all going to make trade off decisions for you in a centralized in a centralized way. Now, I don't have a problem with that if that's the the route we're pushed into because of our structure. I just think we need to maybe a little bit, be a little bit more honest with those teams because I do see it quite often where product owners are told. You're an empowered product owner. You get to define the the um, the order, the sequencing of your backlog, what goes on, what doesn't go on, um, and to maximize the value. But in reality, actually, to maximize the value of their backlog, they need to collaborate across multiple teams. Um, and we're not necessarily having those conversations as clearly or as transparently as transparently as we could. What was it someone said once? All teams are autonomous, but some are more autonomous than others. No one said that, but yeah. I think it is a it's a bait and switch. I think autonomy yeah. and empowerment is bandied around like it's easy to easy to do, simple to achieve, only has positive repercussions, and that's utter nonsense. If your structure isn't in a certain way, where the types of dependencies for example where the types of dependencies that exist get in the way of a uh, team owning the resolution of a customer problem on their own then their autonomy isn't going to be that high if they're having to wait on other people and then people want to take their central take planning centrally because teams have, probably haven't got the types of project management skills within the team to take on some of that as well so it's going to always end up being a separate function that does that 
And then is it any wonder that we have these pseudo-autonomous teams with product owners on the teams and there isn't much prioritization work to do, there isn't much strategy work to do, there isn't much vision work to do, so you end up doing the clarification on behalf of the teams. And then by doing the clarification on the behalf of the teams, you limit the opportunities for that team to build empathy and awareness and understanding with the customers and users, which then degrades their ability to make fine-grained decisions about maybe what the what an interesting thing could be to help the user or customer get over their problem. And so I think it's all part of a really that's the word I wanted to say nasty, but it isn't nasty. That's just my that's my own feeling on it. It's a part of a really unfortunate situation of the of the misunderstanding, I would argue, of, of Scrum and it's the the idea that we want multiple multiple Scrum teams instead of multiple teams using Scrum. Because if we want multiple Scrum teams and we give each team a product owner, each team a Scrum master, and they wonder that the Scrum master ends up doing the T runs and the product owner ends up doing the analysis. If you have multiple teams using Scrum, then we minimize the Scrum masters and we minimize the product owners. And we have teams that are working in a way that can own some a problem with fewer dependencies. And then the Scrum master and product owner can do really interesting work. But it, and the team's going to have a certain degree of autonomy, but based upon a higher value, st- systemic, strategic view of the world. Yeah, I, I, I like that. And I, I like the way you kind of backed away from it being kind of horrible because it, it, it is, life is messy, right? And we just need to deal with the the hand that we're, we're dealt, right? Um, and I don't think anybody goes out of their way to, to make life difficult or or to actually force this situation. It's just the way that we've landed, um, especially in the organizations that we tend to focus on who are, you know, they've been doing this for some time and the transition is never easy. They've got legacy processes, legacy technology, legacy values and principles that we just need to be mindful of. Um, and sometimes that journey takes a long time to go from where we are to where we aspire to be. And sometimes where we aspire to be isn't achievable without some some significant changes, and that takes well time said. to achieve. But uh, yeah, I think well, you know, with product ownership, there are things that product owners and agile experts can do in that situation, though, which is you know, serving the organisation by trying to reduce uh, or at least make more visible the dependencies uh, and manage them. I've actually maybe not for this podcast, Ben, but uh, I've been working on a a tool, a practice to help to visualise the maturity of backlogs. Um, and and really kind of make it more visible those dependencies, and and have more fruitful conversations around them. So maybe we can set something up, and I can reshare that or share that with with your audience. Yeah. Well, let's get some time in the diary. I've enjoyed I've enjoyed these conversations, these initial three, and I think we should have some more. I kind of feel that maybe we scratched the surface, but there's still some big, messy, complex stuff that we can get into. But for now, Tim. Joe, I'm going to bring this one to a close because I think we are probably at time. And thank you from the bottom of my heart for such an open, honest and engaging conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Me too, Ben. Thank you very much for inviting me. And we'll invite you back. Everyone, thanks for listening and we'll see you all soon. What a brilliant conversation. Do you know what? I really enjoy talking to people, as you can probably tell. So I hope you've enjoyed listening to it too. Now, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, give us your feedback. 
the more attention that we get, the easier it makes it for me to free up the time to record these podcasts and edit them, to add videos onto the YouTube channel for Less Matters community. So please do give us your feedback, share it, like it, love it, give us your suggestions. My name is Ben Maynard. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Less Matters podcast. Until next time, stay safe and we'll see you then.